Welcome to non-Sunday school. Enjoy the worship. We're going to begin as soon as this song ends.
Blessings. Good evening. Welcome to non-Sunday school, everybody. Hi, Miss D. I see you entered into the live studio. Sister Jamie, welcome y'all tonight into the live chat. Uh, and those of you who are streaming live from my website, again, that's perfectly fine. Non-Sunday school is an interactive Bible study, so you're able to you know, give your feedback once I'm done teaching or ask questions. So if you want to be able to interact with one another, um, even if it's in the chat, like you can actually communicate with the others who are on the Podbean app. So if you want to chat amongst yourselves or if you want to come in and be able to ask me questions, then instead of joining via the live stream on my website, make sure you go ahead and download that Podbean app real quick so you can join in the live studio. Um, that we're recording in. But again, blessings to y'all on tonight. Let's go ahead and get started with prayer. And then we're going to jump right into the lesson. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for blessing us to come together again to study your word. I thank you for the word that you've given me on tonight to release to your sheep. I thank you, Father, that you're uh, making sure that we understand who you are um, and not only in a way that we understand it, Father, but also in a way that we can explain to others who um, desire to know you in a better way. Those who desire to know you as God, our Father. Those who desire to know you as uh, Lord Jesus, their Savior. And those who desire to know the person of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you for this lesson on tonight. We invite you right now, Holy Spirit, into this atmosphere. Just take over this atmosphere on the live. Take over the atmosphere on the replay, wherever they may be listening from. I pray against any spirit of distraction that would try to distract them. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we send that spirit of distraction back to the pits of hell. And thank you, Father, for a spirit of attentiveness to your word. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will breathe on every word that is released on tonight. I thank you that your anointing will rest on every word and that it will produce a, a, a lot of fruit, a lot of fruit, Father, in the lives of every person that hears it and also in the lives of every person that those who hear it, um, that you lead them to share it with. So I just thank you for fruit all over the place, God, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, take over. My tongue belongs to you. Um, say what you want to say. Let me not say anything that you don't desire to be said on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So welcome, y'all. Welcome to Non-Sunday School. On tonight, we are going to be talking about understanding the Godhead. Understanding the Godhead, the triune God. And of course, triune means three in one. Um, and I, it was not my intention at all to make this a series because um, I'm actually getting ready to go on a consecration for a few weeks and was going to be offline for a few weeks. But 
God is in control. He said, make it a series on tonight because it's too much to cover in one lesson talking about the Godhead. Um, so we are going to, even while I'm on consecration, I'm still going to be doing the, uh, the non-Sunday school and God willing, the Friday night fire. So you may not see it posted on my social media because I'm going to be offline, but just know that we will still be having um, those lessons for non-Sunday school as well as Friday night fire as long as Holy Spirit says so for Friday night fire um, but we are starting this series the series actually started last week and I didn't know it was a series um, but we're starting this series talking about God and understanding who God is so on last week we talked about Yahweh Kana the God whose name is jealous um, again I thought that was it but then God said for this lesson, this series, we wanted to talk about understanding the Godhead, the triune God, three in one. All right. So God really wants us to know who he is. Um, it's a, Oh, and by the way, too, um, I always tell you on non-Sunday school or any time you're listening to the word of God go forth, make sure that you have your Bible in front of you. So we go through a whole lot of scripture on non-Sunday school, and I don't want you to just take my word that these things are in the Bible. I want you to look at it for yourself. So if you don't have a physical Bible in front of you right now, you can go to BibleGateway.com to pull up a free online Bible. Um, usually I read from the King James Version, but I also read from the NASB Version as well. Um, so there, let's go ahead and jump into the lesson. So I said, as I said, God really wants his children to know who he is. Um, it's impossible to have an intimate relationship with someone if you don't know who they are. So on tonight, we're going to be discussing what the Godhead is and how each person of the Godhead has a specific role to play in our lives as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. So what is the Godhead? The Godhead consists of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all wrapped, in, wrapped up into one. So it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all wrapped up into one person. While some refer to the Godhead as the Trinity, um, let me do a mic check real quick. Um, Sister D and Sister Jamie, can y'all hear me okay? Hey, blessings to you, Papa Kwaku. I see you entered the live studio. Is my audio coming through? Okay, awesome. Thank you for letting me know that. I want to make sure y'all can hear me. All right, so while some refer to the Godhead as the Trinity, the Bible does not reference the Trinity, quote unquote. So using that phrase is basically man's best way or human's best way of describing the three in oneness of the Godhead. So if you ever come across someone who is questioning where the Trinity is in the Bible, and you will encounter those people, especially if they're Muslim. But if you ever run into somebody who's questioning where the Trinity is in the Bible, you can explain to them that those exact words are not in the Bible, but the illustration of the Godhead is in the Bible. Um, so the word Godhead is mentioned three times in the Bible, or at least in the King James Version of the Bible. It's mentioned in Colossians 2, verses 8 and 9, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, in Acts chapter 17, verse 29. So as I just stated, the Godhead is comprised of three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all wrapped up into one person. All three of them are God, but there are not three gods. 
Okay, so all three of them are God, but it's not three different gods. It's one God wrapped up into three persons. And this is what confuses a lot of those trying to understand the Godhead with their natural or carnal minds. It doesn't make sense to their flesh how one person could be three persons, but still be one person. And that is why we accept it by faith. We accept it by faith as believers in Christ. We accept by faith that God is who he says he is, not who we can intellectually explain who he is, okay? Not only do we receive it by faith, but we also receive it by experience. So those such as myself and many of you and all of you, I'm sure in the on the live stream, because I know kind of familiar with you, um, those of you such as myself, y'all have had actual encounters or intimate experiences with God, the Father, God, the Son, whose name is Jesus, and God, Holy Spirit. And so once you have an encounter, nobody can change your stance. Nobody can change your conviction. Why? Okay, it's because you have that intimate relationship that was developed from those experiences. So you received it by faith, but you also received it by experiences. So you know God, and God knows you. You know Jesus, and Jesus knows you. You know Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit knows you. There's a scripture in the Bible where when we get to the end and we get to the judgment, it's some that God is going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. So it's one thing for us to know God. That's a good thing. But the big question is, does God know you? And you get to know him. And he, well, that's kind of like a tricky thing because God already knows you. He knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. That's according to Jeremiah um, chapter one. But he wants to know you in an intimate way. After you leave his presence in heaven, you come down to your mother's womb, your birth into the earth. Now he wants you to come back to him in spirit and have that intimate relationship with him. And those who don't make their way back to have that intimate relationship with him, those are the ones when we get to the judgment, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. So it's a good thing that God knows you. Jesus knows you. Holy Spirit knows you because you've had that experience with him. And again, when you have that experience and that faith, it doesn't matter what anybody else believes because you know what you know. You know what you know. But even though we know what we know, we still need to be able to explain the Godhead to those who come to us with questions because they're sincerely seeking God's truth. So they're seeking God's truth and you are the answer. You're going to have the answers that they're looking for. When they come to you and they don't understand the Trinity, they don't understand how God can be three in one, you're going to have the information to be able to explain it to them and prayerfully it'll lead to their conversion, lead to them accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior and for them to have that personal intimate relationship with God themselves. So there are many foundational truths that we must, absolutely must grasp and understand as a believer. The Godhead is one of those truths. So it is this truth that confuses many non-believers and those in other religions. And it confuses some that's even professing to be Christians as well. They can't explain the Godhead. They don't understand it. Um, so I recently had an encounter where I was ministering to a Muslim and he didn't understand who Jesus is in the Godhead. Once I explain, 
he was converted to Christianity, but he thought Jesus was an idol that Christians worship. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. He thought Jesus was an idol that Christians worship because that's what others and other Muslims have taught him. But thank God he was converted. The truth will make you free. And it made him free in the name of Jesus. So as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, we serve one God, just one. He is the only true God. And this is God with a capital G, not a little G. So we're going to put some respect on God's name. He's the big G God. So other religions, they serve multiple false gods with a little G. Some even make up their own false gods. And even though their gods are false, to them, in their hearts, they're real. But they're actually idols. So we distinguish the true God from all the false gods by using his holy name, which is Yahweh. His name is also Elohim. He is one God with many names. So Elohim it actually is a plural form of God. It means many gods. But it's the name that we use to refer to God, Yahweh. So even though he's one God, he has many names. Y'all know some of those names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Nisi, um, all these names that God has, El Elyon, El Shaddai, Adonai, all these names are different names and characters of God, but he's one God. All right. So his name is Yahweh. His name is Elohim. He's one God with many names. One reference that I saw online says that there are over 1000 different names for God in the Bible. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't know if that's an accurate number. I know it's a whole lot of names because I've read through the Bible and it's too many to count or at least for me to count. So I don't know if that 1,000 different names is accurate or not, um, but I do know he has a lot of different names all throughout the Bible. Now, four of the most common names are Yahweh, Elohim, El, and Jehovah. And then many of the other names of God that's in the Bible include one of those four names at the beginning of the name. Okay, so just like last week, we went through Yahweh Kana. So you see where Yahweh proceeds his name, Elohim, you know, El, El Shaddai, El Elyon, um, Jehovah, you got Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. So most of, many of the other names, they are comprised of like one of those names that we just mentioned as well. So in the creation story, and again, for those of you who are just joining the live, um, we're talking on tonight, we're actually in the middle of a series, it's like the second lesson in a series, but we're talking about understanding the Godhead, the triune God, which is three in one. All right, so in the creation story in Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light so God in uh, Genesis chapter 1 is actually the Hebrew word Elohim Elohim. So it was plural in the beginning. So that was like more than one God there. So in the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. And then Genesis 1:26 says, then God or Elohim, then Elohim said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And then also 
when Moses, when God told Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh and Moses was like, who should I say sent me? God said, I am who I am. And I am who I am is translated in the Hebrew as Yahweh. So there's his name Yahweh and Elohim right there, just as different names for God. But when God said, let us make man in our image, who was he talking to? Because he was obviously talking to somebody else because he said, let us make man in our image. But the only person that we hear speaking or mention in the book of uh, Genesis 1 through 3, uh, verse, G Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it seems like it's only God. And then we see God's spirit hovering over the face of the waters. But who is this us? Who is our image? So he was actually talking to the other two members of the Godhead, which are Jesus and Holy Spirit. Jesus and Holy Spirit. So during creation, during the creation process, all three members of the Godhead were present. God the Father was present. Uh, God the Creator. God the Word, who is also called Jesus. Although at the time of creation, he was simply called the Word. Jesus got the name Jesus after he came into the earth. But in the beginning, his name was the Word. All right. So in Genesis chapter one, verses one through three, we see the Godhead in action. We see God. We see his word. Well, what is his word? Well, the Bible says God said, let there be light. And there was light. And all through Genesis one, you see him saying, let there be, let there be, let there be. Well, that's God's word. That word is and was Jesus. So you got God there. You got Jesus there. And then, of course, the scripture says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So there you also had God's Holy Spirit there. God's Holy Spirit is the essence of who he is there. You know, there is a saying where you, you, if you really want to a, a person, the, the spirit of a person is who a person really is. So they can show you who they are in the flesh all day, but their spirit is who they truly are. So with God, God also has a spirit and it's through his spirit that we get to know who he truly is, but it's still him. Just like Sister Jamie. Okay, so we got Sister Jamie, but we also got Sister Jamie's spirit. I can say I know Sister Jamie, but until I know Sister Jamie's spirit, I really don't know Sister Jamie. I only know the, the person she's presenting herself to be, which may or may not be the real her. I know it's the real you, Jamie, and that's why I'm using, <laughs> I'm using you as an example. So you don't really know a true person until, oh man, I'd be... <laughs> I'm not going to go over and talk about discernment on tonight because that's a whole nother subject. But the spirit of a person is who they really are. I just want to give this example real quick, though. But that's why you can see somebody and you can meet somebody and they're saying one thing to your face or, you know, you're just having this conversation. But something inside of you inside, it's like in your belly, in your spirit, in your knower of knowers something just don't feel right about that person is because they're wearing a mask. God is showing you the true spirit of that person. So I just want to throw this in. It's for somebody on the live or somebody on the replay. You need to know this, that I don't know, maybe you're in a situation right now where you're dealing with somebody and try, you're trying to discern if this person is genuine, if they're sincere or if they're sent from God because Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Look, I know we're talking about the Godhead, but my tongue belongs to the Holy Spirit, so whatever he wants to say, we're going to say it. Because whoever this is for, they may never listen to any of these lessons again. So they need to get it on tonight. So anyway, 
like I was saying. So um, God will show that anytime somebody comes in your life, either they're sent by God or they're sent by the devil. There is no middle ground, right? But we're all walking, talking, living, breathing spirits. So that means your spirit is gonna introduce you before you even open up your mouth. Your mouth can be saying one thing physically, but your spirit is gonna be talking a whole lot louder than the words coming out of your mouth. So the way discernment works is somebody can be before you god is trying to show you that they're not sent from him but they're sent from the devil so what will happen is you're sitting there listening to the words come out of this person's mouth which sounds good but holy spirit inside of you is showing you that devil on the shoulder they're showing you the the, the real spirit that's operating through that person i liken it to um i don't know some of you may be familiar with the cartoon tom and jerry where the cat i think his name was tom right i should know because i i grew up on this cartoon but with tom whenever he was trying to go after jerry he would sometimes he would have the devil on one shoulder and the angel on one shoulder and like both of them was talking to him so when you see somebody coming along you see them, which is Tom, you see them, the physical person, but you also need to be looking when you're discerning that and that something don't feel right in your spirit about the person, you're discerning either that devil on their shoulder that they're carrying or you're discerning the Holy Spirit of God that they're carrying, right? So if something feels off about somebody or something is rubbing you the wrong way about somebody and you know that you in the word of God and you submitted to God and you ain't got no reason to be feeling this way about this person, flesh no fleshly reason then that's god trying to show you something but anyway that's discernment 101 for whoever that's for on the live of the replay pay attention to that spirit the spirit of a person is who they really are but now let's get back to the godhead right so when god said let us make man in our image who was he talking to? He was talking to the other two members of the Godhead, which are Jesus and Holy Spirit. And like we just said, during creation, all three members were present. God the Father, who is also God the Creator. God the Word, who is also Jesus. And we just said that at the time of creation, he was only called, he was called the Word. He wasn't called Jesus until after he was sent to the earth. All right, also Holy Spirit was present. Holy Spirit was the power that was hovering over the waters, waiting to activate the word of God as it was spoken. Okay, so, and that's how the Godhead works. So you'll always have God the Father, you'll always have God his word, and you'll always have Holy Spirit waiting to activate that word. So everything that God spoke, Holy Spirit latched onto that word and he made it happen. And that's why you have to be mindful of the words that you speak. The Bible says words are spirit and they are life. So whatever you speak in, if, if you speak in according to the word of God, when you release that word out of your mouth, Holy Spirit latches onto that word and he causes it to activate and come to pass in your life. So you can't be double-minded with your words either because if you speak in what God's word says, and then you come back and you speak something that the devil, some satanic suggestion that the devil is putting in your mind, like, uh, God ain't gonna do this for me, or it ain't gonna work out, or whatever. It's like, now you double-minded, and what you're saying, Holy Spirit is like waiting for you to say God's word and God's word only. So when you say something that the devil is planting in your mind, the devil got his angels out there that's going to latch on to those words you're speaking, and he's going to cause those demonic things to come to pass. So only speak God's word over your life. 
Only speak God's word over your life because Holy Spirit's job, one of his jobs is to attach to that word and activate that word to make sure it comes to pass in your life. So in the beginning, we had God, we had God's word, and we had Holy Spirit there activating that word. So that was all three members of the Godhead all present in the, in the creation story in the book of Genesis chapter one. All right. So again, we spoke last week about the name Yahweh Kana, whose name is Jealous, the God whose name is Jealous. So although God's name is also Elohim, which means plural gods or many gods, understand that he wants us to worship him alone as the one true God. So we're not to ally ourselves with false gods, nor worship them, nor serve them. That's the very first commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse three says, thou shall have no other gods. And that's little G gods. Thou shall have no other gods before me. And that word before is the Hebrew word Paniyim, P-A-N-I-Y-M, which means in my face nor in my presence. So thou shall have no other little G gods in my face nor in my presence. And y'all know, um, um, one of my charges that God has given me is to speak out against idolatry and all the uh, Greek organizations, Freemasonry, um, Eastern stars, all these secret societies where they're allied with a false God. Okay, so God is not pleased with that. He says, do not, I don't care if it's a Greek God, Roman mythology God, false, whoever it is, God says, do not bring them in my face nor in my presence. When you do, there are consequences and repercussions, not only for you, but also in your bloodline. And that I got many teachings on my website. Go to my website, listen to that. Holy Smoke Part four through seven, just non-Sunday school I teach on it. So go and listen to that. Do not ally yourself with the false God, little G God. We're only connecting ourselves with the big G God. So God is the supreme God. He's the only true God. He's the only omnipotent, which means all powerful. He's the only omnipotent God. He's the only omniscient God, meaning he's all knowing. He's the only omnipresent God, meaning he's present everywhere at the same time. That's the God that's in the Godhead. That's, that's the God that's in the Godhead. God, the creator, God, the father, God, the, the omnipotent one, God Yahweh, God Elohim, God Jehovah, God El. And and why is he God the Father, the Father of Jesus? Well, it says, of course, that um, Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. But in the beginning, remember I told you in the beginning, G, the, 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 the son of God's name was the word. So he didn't get the name Jesus until he was born into the earth. So the thing is, when God creates something, he's the father of that thing. So God word, God's word, it sent Jesus down to earth. Let me get my words right. Help me, Holy Spirit. So God's word is Jesus. When Jesus came down to the earth, manifested in the flesh, now he became the son of God called Jesus because he was birthed into the earth. Anything that God births into the earth, he is the father over that thing. Or unless, well, until we, until we decide, unless we decide not to come back over to him. If we decide not to come back over to him, then our father by default is the devil. But once through Jesus, we're reconciled back to Christ. 
um, we're reconciled back to God. But with Jesus, it's a different story because he was already one with God. God is one with his word. So even when Jesus came down to the earth, he couldn't be separated from God because God cannot be separated from his earth. So uh, cannot be separated from his word. So by default, when Jesus was born into the earth, by default, he was the son of God because God created, formed him in the earth. I'll put it that way. God formed him in the earth, put him in the earth. So by default, God was his daddy because Jesus was never about to submit to Satan. And I hope that all made sense. If it didn't make sense, put it in the chat. Let me stop for a minute. I want to make sure I ain't lose y'all right there. If that makes sense to y'all, put it in the chat. Okay, can I repeat it? Can I repeat what part? Because I said a whole lot right there. Makes sense. Okay, makes sense to Jamie. What part um, did you need me to clarify, Miss D? I want to make sure you got it. I want to make sure I ain't lose you with nothing that I said right there. I'm just going to recap real quick what I just said. And then I'm going to double check with you again, Miss D, because I want to make sure that I ain't lose you because I kind of, you said so much in my mind. Okay, I did say a lot. I did say a lot. So basically what I said was, let me go back to my, um, yeah, so we're talking about um, Jesus being the word of God and Jesus did not get the name Jesus until he came down into the earth. So we're talking about God being God, the father, God being God, Elohim, God being God, Yahweh. Um, and I was talking about God being God, the father. Well, how was he God, the father in the Godhead? Well, the Bible says in the beginning was the word. So he is one with his word, but the word is Jesus. And we're going to get to that scripture. We're going to Basically, we're talking about Jesus on tonight, and I'm about to get into that, and it'll probably make more sense when I get into it. But in the beginning, Jesus' name was the Word. He was not in flesh form. But when God sent the Word down into the earth in flesh form to become Jesus, now God is the Father of Jesus. He's the Father of His Word. Because anything that God speaks into the earth, anything God creates in the earth, He's the Father of. So what I was saying is God is in the Godhead. He's God the Father because he's the father of his word made flesh, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, great. I want to make sure. But we're going to get more into that in just a second. So God is the father in the Godhead because he became the, he's the father of his word made flesh, which was once Jesus came down into this earth. All right. So, 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 all right. So although God is a jealous God and he tells us to have no other gods before him, he is not jealous of Jesus, nor is he jealous of Holy Spirit for also being God. And that's big G God. So Jesus is big G God, just like Yahweh and Elohim and El and Jehovah and all the names that God has. They are God, just like God is God. Okay, so they are one with him 
and they're inseparable from who he is. Remember, God is his spirit. He cannot be separated from his spirit because his spirit is who he really is. And God is his word. He cannot be separated from his word because his word is who he really is. All right. So many religions believe that Jesus was just a good man or a prophet who once walked the earth thousands of years ago and is no longer alive. They don't believe he's the son of God. They don't believe in his death. They don't believe in his burial. They don't believe in his resurrection. And they definitely don't believe he's God, big G God. And Holy Spirit is often completely overlooked by the masses, um, especially those in the body of Christ. Um, but on tonight, we're not going to be talking about um, Holy Spirit on tonight. That's going to be probably the next lesson in the series. But we did speak a little bit about God. I don't believe that a lot of believers have a problem explaining who God is. They have problems explaining who Jesus is in the Godhead and who Holy Spirit is in the Godhead. So we just went down through a little, a few things describing who God is. You know, God is his word. God is his spirit. God is Yahweh. God is Elohim. All of those things we just went through. So you know who God is. Let's talk about Jesus, though. Let's talk about Jesus being God and Jesus as the member of the Godhead. All right. So that's all we're talking about for the rest of the night. We're talking about Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, not a Mighty God, the Mighty God, and as God with the big G. So that's telling you right there that Jesus is God. All right, so his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So it's telling you right there, Jesus is big G God. He's not little G God. He is God. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And this is the angel um, speaking to Joseph in a dream. And the angel said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And that's God with the big G not a little g. So Emmanuel, which is one of the names Jesus has, is basically saying he is God with us. He is big G God with us in the flesh. Remember, we just went through some of the names of God. L is one of the names of God. So that L at the end of Emmanuel um, is show, saying God with us. All right. So again, Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet they don't believe that Jesus is God. And Muslims also feel that Christians treat Jesus as an idol because from their perception, we are praying to him when Jesus himself prayed to the Father. I'm just telling you what some other religions believe and why they don't understand the Godhead because this is what they think. This is what they believe. And you may have to minister to some Muslims. You may have to minister to Jehovah Witnesses, right? Um, so now you'll know as we go through the lesson on the night, you'll know how to explain these things to them. So Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is a God. They believe he is a God. They don't believe he is God. Um, they actually, the Jehovah Witnesses, they actually created their own version of the Bible called the New World Translation. So if you ever read that translation, 
that ain't the truth. That is not the true word of God. That is something that Jehovah Witnesses just went and they created and they changed the scripture to fit their beliefs. But Jehovah Witnesses, they believe that Jesus is a God. In their Bible, they changed John chapter one, verse one to say, let me tell you what John chapter one, verse one really says. Um, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And remember we just said the word is Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus, who is the word of God and the word was with God and the word was God. Now the Jehovah Witnesses in their Bible, the New World Translation, they changed that scripture to say in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God and they made it a lowercase g as well. So just that one little word that they added changed the whole meaning of that scripture. One little word. They say the word was a God. The Bible, our word, which is God-inspired, God-breathed word says that the word was God. Okay, and we're going to delve more into John chapter one in a few minutes. Um, before we continue, though, I do want to share this scripture with you because many people um, don't know that the Bible instructs us on how to handle those who want to come into your home uh, preaching their beliefs and doctrine that does not align with God's word. The Bible says we're not to even receive them into our homes, y'all. So the next time Jehovah Witnesses knock on your door with their Watchtower magazines, or you get Muslims coming to your door selling bean pies or trying to sell it in your car, passing you their pamphlets and stuff, don't even let them come into your home. Don't even let them come into your atmosphere, whether it's your car or whatever. Don't even say, bless you. Don't even, I'm about to give you scripture for this, right? Don't even say bless you to them or else, as the Bible says, you are participating in their evil deeds. Well, how are you participating in their evil deeds? You're participating in their evil deeds by encouraging them to continue on doing what they're doing and saying what they are saying. So if I run across a Jehovah Witness and they come into my house and we done chopped it up, went through the word, I done let them say what they wanted to say and I, I didn't convert them and they still trying to convert me over to being a Jehovah Witness and they leave and I say, bless you. Basically, I'm telling them, go on, keep doing what you're doing. God bless you and what you do. That is helping them. Uh, that's basically promoting their evil deeds. Um, so let's back that up with scripture, Faiza. Second John chapter one, verse one through 11. I got to tell you this because you're going to run into people out there that's going to try to come into your house or come into your atmosphere um, and try to convince you or try to persuade you to come over to their religion. Like we ain't having that conversation. I'm going to convert you or we ain't going to have the conversation. Like you can tell me what you believe. We can chop it up outside my door, but I'm only going to let you say so much before I start telling you what the Bible says. Like you not convert me. I'm unconvertible. <laughs> I'm, I'm solid on Jesus. That's not going to change. So if we going to continue this conversation for 30 minutes, the bulk of that conversation is going to be telling you who Jesus is and how he came to save, save your soul. All right. And if we don't agree at the end, I'm not saying God bless you if you're still trying to preach some other doctrine. But second John chapter one, verse one through 11, um, it says the elder to the chosen lady and her children. And it's debatable who the chosen lady and her children are. Some people say it's the church. The Bible doesn't say who she is. So I'm not going to say who she is. But it says the elder to the chosen lady and her children 
whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth which remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was overjoyed to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received a commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you are to walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not remain in the teaching of Christ does not have God. That's big G God. The one who remains in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him or her in, I added that or her myself do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds so that's clear so let's talk more about who Jesus is in the Godhead his role and his position in the Godhead so Jesus is fully God and he's fully man he's fully God fully man and that's fully big G God, not little God, not little G. So let's go back to John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. All right, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And it says, in the beginning was the word. We already said the word is Jesus. So in his name was not Jesus at the beginning. His name was the word. There it is right there. So in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, is basically what it's saying. Even though his name was not Jesus at the time, he's still the word. Continuing on, verse two. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So what is that saying? All things were made by the word of God. And without the word of God was not anything made that was made. Remember, go back to Genesis. Everything that was made was made by God speaking his word and Holy Spirit landing on that word and activating the word. So right now, the very world in, that we live in is still hanging and in existence and hanging in, 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 in space <laughs> and all the planets and all the oceans and every, the trees and mountains. Everything is still hanging there because the word made those things not nothing that we see not even our bodies like nothing was made that was made unless it was made through the word all right in him which in him is the word in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light 
that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. Remember the word, the world, the whole world was made by the word of God, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Like when he came to the disciples and when he came to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jews, he came to his own people and they didn't receive him not, even though he was the word, the word of God made flesh. Verse 12, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that's the whole lesson right there that I'm going to get into. But at basically verse 12 is saying, as many as receive the word of God, to them, the word of God gave power to become sons of God. So go back to the word of God. The word of God says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the word of God. So whoever receives that word, which is Jesus, Jesus is the word. Whoever receives that word, they have the power to become sons of God because they're gonna receive the word. Then because they receive the word, they're gonna be reconciled back to God and God is gonna be their father. So it all goes back to the word. The word is Jesus. All right, so verse 12 again. But as many as received him or the word, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There it is right there. So that's when the word became Jesus right there. The, when the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, came down to the earth, in the form of Jesus, that's when he became Jesus. Up until this point, he was the word. That was his name, the word, okay? Some, you I mean, it's, he's got other names too, like the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, other names, but the name Jesus did not come until the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the word of God. God is his word. He cannot be separated from his word. So you've heard, um, I said, you've heard the saying, my word is my bond or my word is bond. So with God, that is a true statement. He is bonded to his word. He is bonded to Jesus. Jesus is his word. His word has the final authority on everything that exists and everything that is. It's always gonna go back to the word. God's word is God, okay? God's word is God. What we just read in John chapter one, verse 14, it tells us the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. So again, when the word of God dwelt among us in the flesh, the word had a name, which is Jesus. So in Genesis, he wasn't called Jesus. He was referred to as the word. The name Jesus came later and you can see that it's actually in scripture, Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. I didn't write it down, but just go to it in your own time. But it talks about how God gave him the name Jesus because of the sacrifice um, that he made. But that's in Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. The name Jesus came later. So Jesus is literally the word of God wrapped up inside of a human body. We're talking about Jesus on tonight. 
for those of you who just came on the live live stream on my website or in the pod bean i can't see the app right now but we're talking about the godhead we're talking about the triune god how he's three in one this is a series so on tonight we're focusing on jesus all right so let's go to john chapter 8 verse 58 and this is jesus addressing the scribes and pharisees who are trying to scrutinize him yet honor abraham right so they're trying to scrutinize jesus but they're trying to honor abraham at the same time and jesus said to them truly truly i say to you before abraham was born i am i am so that goes back to even i am that reminds you when um moses uh asked god who shall i say sent me and he said i am that i am which was the name yahweh so god uh jesus is saying before abraham was i am i am god i'm i i am like <laughs> you're trying to honor abraham i'm god Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and left the temple grounds. So because the word Jesus was wrapped up into flesh, he was fully man. He was fully man. And as this is a part that people don't understand as him being a part of the Godhead. When Jesus, when the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, he was fully man. He was fully human. He went partially human. He wasn't part human, part God. He was fully human. He was fully man. And he was fully God at the same time. So he was fully man. He was fully flesh. But although he was fully flesh, he was still fully God. How was he still fully God? Because he's still God's word. He's still the fullness of God's word. That didn't change because he came to earth and came in flesh form. He was still fully God's word. And God's word is God. God is his word. And because God is so much one with his word, when it came time for Jesus to come to earth, he had to be born through the womb of a woman. Remember, God's word is bond. It's like the way God sets it, the way God's made it, that's how it is, even for God himself. He's not going to dishonor his word. He's not going to dishonor his principles. Why? Because that's God's word. That's God's word is God's law. So every man is a living, walking, talking, breathing spirit. And no spirit can enter this earth legally without a body. That's God's law. That's God's word. No spirit, not saying it's physically in the Bible, but as I've taught some of you on non-Sunday school, you know, God, there are some things that's in the Bible as logos where it's just flat out written in black and white, but there are other things in the Bible that are principles. So we know because of God's principles, no spirit can enter this earth legally without a body. So God honors that. He honors his principles. He honors his word. And the only way to have a body is to be born through the womb of a woman. So God is one with his word. His word is did not change when it came to Jesus being born into this earth to save man. He still had to be born through the womb of a woman. Or so the only way to have a body is to be born through the womb of a woman or possess the body of another human being who is not submitted to God. And that's how that's how demons trespass because they can't be born into this earth. So what they do is they possess the body of another human being who is not submitted to God. If you ever see, that's, that's how when you see spirits operating in the atmosphere 
I know this is a little off subject, but I'm just teaching on tonight, you know, for whoever needs it. That's why when you see spirits operating in the atmosphere, it's not operating through a person, but you know these spirits are in the atmosphere, principalities, rulers uh, of the darkness, um, all uh, all these powers and all these things, spiritual wickedness in high places. When you see spirits just operating like that, they are trespassing in the earth. They're operating illegally, and that's why you have the power to bind them because they're operating in the earth without a body, and that's not God's way. So that's when you use the name of Jesus and you bind those spirits out of the atmosphere and you send them back to where they came from. Now, if that spirit is operating through a person, you can't bind that spirit through the person because, well, you can bind that, you can restrict the person, you you can restrict, restrict that spirit from operating through that person to get to you, but you can't bind that spirit and cast that spirit out of the person as long as that person is willing to um, embody or let that spirit work through them. And I pray that made sense. Um, so no spirit can operate in this earth without a body. If it's one operating in your atmosphere and you know nobody is around, um, like the spirit of fear and stuff like that, that spirit is trespassing. Jesus has given you dominion over that. So you bind that spirit in the name of Jesus and you send it away because it's operating illegally in the earth. You just have to know. You have to know the dominion and the authority that Jesus has given you in his name. And you have to know when a spirit is trespassing. You do not allow spirits to trespass in your environment. That's your dominion, not the devil's. Moving on though. All right. So when Jesus walked the earth, he was human. He was human. He was fully man. He was tempted. Yes, he was. Yet he did not yield to the temptations. So he was fully man. We're talking about Jesus as a member of the Godhead. He was fully man, but he was fully God. He was tempted, yet he did not yield to the temptations. Jesus was tempted in all areas that a man can be tempted. And that is according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all human beings can be tempted in, those three areas right there. And Jesus was tempted in all three of those areas when the devil tried to tempt him while he was doing his fast or after he was doing his fast and was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He, The devil tried to tempt Jesus with um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So let's, we're trying to, I'm trying to let you know how much he was fully man, because we're talking about Jesus on tonight as a member of the Godhead. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, so that you can see that even though Jesus is fully God, he was fully man, and he was tempted just like a real human being. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, this is from the NASB version. And it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And, and so that should let you know, too, that he's fully man because, I mean, God don't get hungry. I mean, he's hungry for our worship, but as far as being hungry for food... That's, that's a man thing. That's a human being thing. So he became hungry. He was fully man. And the tempter, which is a devil, came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So that temptation right there, that involved the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life. 
the lust of the flesh because one, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. So of course it just said he became hungry. So your flesh wants to eat something. Your flesh wants something. Your flesh is lusting for something. So the devil tried to tempt him with the lust of the flesh. And as far as the pride of life, you know, people get in human beings, we get in our pride. It's like, oh, you if I'm the son of God, let me show you I'm the son of God. So the pride says, let me show you who I am. Pride, the devil was trying to get him to show him who he was. Jesus already knew who he was. He didn't fall to that temptation to have so much pride that I got to prove something to the devil, right? So he was tempted with the lust of the flesh. He was tempted with the pride of life right there in that first temptation. And then verse four, but Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Verse five, then the devil took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will give his angels orders or charge concerning you. And on their hands, they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. So there is another temptation where he's tempting him with the pride of life. If you really the son of God, then do this right so pride would try to make a human the spirit of pride would try to make a human prove something to somebody who's questioning your identity but jesus didn't yield to that temptation instead jesus said to him on the other hand it is written you shall not put the lord your god to the test all right so we see where he was tempted with the lust of the flesh the pride of life and then the last one, um, verse uh, verse eight, it says, again, the devil took him along to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And that right there was a the lust of the eyes. He's showing Jesus everything that he thinks he can give him because really, I mean, it belonged to Jesus already, but the devil is trying to, just like us, the devil tries to show us things in the world. Oh, well, if you do this, I'll give you this. Oh, if you, if you compromise over here, I'll give you all this money. Like I'll, if you compromise over here, I'll give you this relationship. Um, all these things, it's like compromise. If you do this, I'll give you this, right? So it's that lust, um, the lust of the eyes. He'll show it to you. Um, so that you can want it. And that's how he got Eve in the Garden of Eden. He showed her something and he she wanted what he showed him. But Jesus did not yield to that temptation. Instead, um, Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to serve him. So that scripture right there shows that he was fully man. He was tempted just like Human beings are tempted. So he wasn't partially man. He was fully man, yet fully God. So because Jesus knows what it's like to be fully man and knows what it's like to be tempted by the adversary, he pleads our case before God when we sin and covers our sin under his blood if we receive his sacrifice. Okay, we're talking about Jesus as being a member of the Godhead, what his uh, role is, what his position is in the Godhead, what he does as a member of the Godhead. So going to Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16, this is the NASB version. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, who is Jesus, um, therefore, since we have a great high priest, 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we were, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. So because Jesus was fully man and he's our high priest, he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in the same areas that we were tempted. Even though he didn't yield to the temptation, he knows what it's like to be tempted. Okay, so Jesus is fully God, fully man. When he walked this earth, he hungered just like a man. That's Matthew 4, 2, chapter 4, verse 2. He got thirsty just like a man. That's John chapter 19, verse 28. He felt human emotions just like a man. That's Mark chapter 15, verse 34. And Luke chapter 22, verses 43 through 44. Okay, so why? Why did he feel all these things? Why did he go through all these things? Again, because he was a man. He was a man. While he was in the earth, he stripped himself of his God title to submit in the earth as a man. But he was still God. So why did Jesus walk the earth? Why didn't he just come to earth, die on the cross for our sins, and then go back to heaven? He could have done that, right? You know he could have done that. He could have just came to earth, he could have he been killed as a baby. You know, they were trying to kill him as a baby because they found out that this king was born. And what was, it, uh, king, what was the name of the king? Herod, who put out the death warrant, quote unquote, to kill all the babies. And that's, you know, they had to hide Jesus in a manger because there was like a death warrant out for him. So, you know, God could have just sent him to the earth and he could have been killed as a baby. And then even dying as a baby, could have reconciled us back to God, but he didn't do that. He came to earth. He lived for 30 years, not in ministry. And then he operated in ministry for three years. So he was on this earth for 33 years. But why didn't he come, just come to earth, die on the cross for our sins and go back to heaven as a baby? Why did he have an earthly ministry for three years? He did it to show us how to do it. That's why. Jesus did all of that to show us how to do it. He did it to show us the way. So Jesus is our blueprint for everything we do and every experience we have, including how we're to operate in our own earthly ministries. So you see a lot of things going on in churches today that it ain't the blueprint of Jesus. Jesus didn't charge people to teach them the word. Jesus didn't charge people for teaching them how to pray. He didn't charge thousands of dollars for a prayer conference. Jesus is the blueprint. Jesus didn't charge people to cast out demons. So Jesus spent all those years down on this earth to show us the way, to show us how to do it, to show us how to be a disciple, to show us how to be submitted unto God, how to do God's will, how to be one with God, how to not move or say or do anything unless we hear the Father do it or say it. So Jesus is the blueprint. All right, so going on to Hebrews chapter one, verses one through 13, and this is the NASB version. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, 
in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Remember, he made the world with his word. Jesus is his word. So Jesus is God. All right. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels to the extent that he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did, did he ever say, you are my son, today I have fathered you. And again, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. We're talking about Jesus. And regarding the angels, he said, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But regarding the son, who is Jesus, he says, your throne, God, and that's capital G. So that's God calling his son, God. But regarding his son, he says, your throne, God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, and that's capital G, God. So it's God who keeps calling Jesus God with the capital G. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. So the heavens going to perish. I mean, the, yeah, the heavens are going to perish, but the word is going to remain. And they all will wear out like a garment, and like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at for your feet? So there you have it. That's God calling Jesus God with a capital G, not a little G. So Jesus is God. He's God. He's fully man and he's fully God at the same time. Jesus is our mediator. Okay. So whenever we're talking about Jesus as a member of the Godhead, his position, his role, what he does as a member of the Godhead, we already know that he's our Lord and our personal savior. So that's a given. We're talking about some of the other things that he does. And when describing him as a member of the Godhead, whether for your own understanding or so that you can tell others who he is as a member of the Godhead. So Jesus is our mediator. Whenever there is a matter to be settled, Jesus is that mediator between us and God. So the matter will always be settled based on what the word says. Remember, Jesus is the word. So Jesus, the word, speaks to God on our behalf. And God honors his word. His word is final. He cannot be separated from his word. His word is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God's word. Okay, so Jesus is that mediator between us and God. The word is that mediator between us and God. Whenever God has a problem with man, he's going to go back to what does the word say? What does his word say? What did he say in his word? That's going to always be final. Always. No matter what. It's not going to change. His word is never going to change. 
we don't add to his word. If we do try to add to his word, they, we, the Bible says, you know, it tells us not to. But because we want it, those who have their own opinions about God's word or try to change the word to fit their own beliefs, it does not change what the word says. So they can try to change it all day. God is still going to judge and things are going to be mediated based on what his word says always. All right. So Jesus is that mediator between us and God. The word is that mediator between us and God. First Timothy chapter two, verse five, it says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men that the man Christ Jesus. So where it says there's one God and one mediator, the word for mediator is actually the Greek word mesites, and that's M-E-S-I-T-E-S, and it means arbitrator or mediator. For there is one God and one arbitrator or mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So let's look at arbitrator definition. That's a legal term. We're talking about Jesus being the mediator, his position as mediator in the Godhead. So arbitrator definition, I'm going to give you a few definitions, but it means a person chosen to decide a dispute or settle differences, especially one formally empowered to examine the facts and decide the issue. So the word of God, the word of God is going to decide any disputes that you might have. It's going to settle any differences that you might have. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter your opinion. The word is going to decide. The word, who is Jesus, is that arbitrator, right? So that's the first definition. Another definition is someone who has been officially chosen to make a decision that ends a legal disagreement without it having to be solved in court. So basically, God is saying, we ain't even got to go through all that. What does my word say? All right? So my word has been officially chosen to, to decide all legal disagreements that, that I have with man, that's how we're going to solve it. What does my word say about it? That, that's been the official representation, the official person, spokesperson to mediate between God and man is his word, all right, which is Jesus. An arbitrator, it says, an arbitrator listens to facts and evidence and renders an award. So the word the word is going to, hey, the word it cuts through like that sword. It's going to separate facts from fiction. It's going to separate what's true from what's false. So that arbitrator, that word is going to render an award based on what the word says. What does the word say? And then mediator, because his assignment is also mediator, arbitrator. Mediator helps the parties define and understand the issues and each side's interests. So he's a mediator as well. So he mediates between God and man. So remember, we just said a minute ago, where even though he's fully God, he's also fully man. And he was tempted in all areas that we were tempted. So he can operate as mediator because God may want to judge us based on what the word says because his word is final. But because Jesus was tempted in all areas that we were tempted, Jesus can step in and say, Father, show them grace right? He can step in and mediate for grace. He can step in and mediate for mercy because 
the mediator understands each side interest. So him being that mediator who was fully man, he understands what it's like to be a man. He understands what it's like to be tempted. Even though he didn't yield to the temptations, he still understands. So it gives him that extra compassion. Remember the scripture we just read talked about us having a high priest who cannot be touched, uh, cannot be, you know, he, he's touched with our feelings and our weaknesses and those things. So he understands because he walked this earth as fully man. All right, so let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And this is from the NASB version as well. It says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, and that's capital G, not little g, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Remember I just said in the beginning his name wasn't Jesus. His name was the Word, according to John chapter 1. Um, so, But right here you see in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, G God gave him the name Jesus after he came to the earth. So verse 9 again. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Again, the name God there is Big G God, it means Elohim, it means supreme one, mighty one, and again, it is the plural name for God. Um, Genesis 1, chapter, um, ch chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So again, you see us... That lets you know there are other members of the Godhead there in the creation story. We're talking about Jesus on tonight. When it was God, it was Jesus, and it was God's Holy Spirit there in the beginning. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. We're going to start with the, the, B, the B portion of that verse. It says, We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God, this big G God, there is no big G God, but one. For even if there are so-called little G gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many little G gods and many little L lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, 
from whom are all things and we exist for him and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we exist through him so there are many lowercase gods as we see from that scripture but there's only one big G God there are many lowercase lords but there's only one big L Lord okay so Psalm chapter 82 verse 6 it says I have said ye are gods little g gods and all of you are children of the most high so we can see there that there are little g gods and there is the big g god the god in the godhead is the big g god Jesus is the big g god not a little g god all right Exodus chapter 7 verse 1 it says and the Lord said unto Moses see I have made thee a god to Pharaoh and that's little g god and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet so again you have little g gods we're not that's us because God has made us to be little g gods just like he did Moses but Jesus is the big g god not the little g god first Timothy chapter 6 15 verse 15 and Revelations chapter 17 verse 14 and Revelation chapter 19 verse 16 it says Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords okay and he's the God of gods all right so we just see in Scripture that that God of gods that's something that I added myself because as the scripture that I just read you can see that he's saying we are gods we are little g gods but Jesus is God big g God over all the little g gods he is the king big k king over all the little kings in the earth we are kings we're royal priesthood but Jesus is big k he's the big one he's the big one just like God is the big one all right and he's a lord of lords we're all to be lords in the earth all right but Jesus is the lord of lords okay so let's go on to chap John chapter 10 verse 30 through 38 and this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees um, and it says I and my father are one one is actually it's the Greek word heis is h-e-i-s meaning one another one thing one person single alike unity so I'm going to read it from that definition. So I and my father are one another. I and my father are one thing. I and my father are one person. I and my father are single. I and my father are alike. I and my father are unified. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thou self God, capital G. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods, little g? So I just told you, he said, we're gods, little g gods. So he said, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemeth, because I said I am the son of God. If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though, yet ye believe me not, 
But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, which is in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So that's basically saying in Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. So just saying Jesus is fully God. Jesus is just as much God as God is God. Jesus is just as much Holy Spirit as God's Holy Spirit, as God is Holy Spirit. So all of them are one. All of them are equal. Not one is greater than the other. They're all equal members of the Godhead. All three of them are 100% or however, whatever the highest percentage is that can ever be possible. They're all that percentage of God, okay? fully God. So what confuses some religions is, and we're done after this. So what confuses some religions is when we pray to Jesus. Um, so this is especially true, like I said, with Muslims, they see it as a whole in our faith when we pray to Jesus, when Jesus himself prayed to his father. So they see praying to Jesus as idolatry. So all through scripture, during Jesus' time on earth, you see where he prayed. Like Jesus had a prayer life. He taught us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. And the Bible tells us anything that we ask in Jesus' name, the Father will do it. So other religions, they see when we when we um when we pray to Jesus, because they don't fully understand the Godhead, they think that it's idolatry. But really, when we pray, we can pray to Jesus because we can pray to the word. Prayer is just basically talking to God, right? Prayer is two-way communication. It's dialogue. It's not monologue. It's dialogue. It's you talking to God and God talking back to you. So because Jesus is God's word, how many of you know that the word talks? The word talks to you. The word of God is a living, breathing word. So the word talks to you and you can talk back to the word. So it's okay when you're praying to talk to Jesus because Jesus is the word of God. But when you're coming to God, you have to come to God in the name of Jesus because that's your stamp that's gonna get your prayer answered, the name of Jesus. So when you come to God, you come to God in the name of Jesus, just like Jesus, when he came to the Father, he prayed, Abba, Father. So you can pray, Abba, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. And because you're coming in the name of Jesus, it's going to get your prayer heard. It's going to get your prayer answered. Because it's like saying, Father, I come to you in the name of your word. And God's going to honor his word. Remember, his word is final. So when we pray and when we talk, it's okay. It's perfectly fine for us to talk to Jesus through prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for doing this for me. I thank you for this. That is perfectly fine. You do not feel guilty about that. Don't feel like... You're being idolatrous by praying to Jesus. No, Jesus is the word. You can talk to the word. The word talks back. But like I said, at the end of the day, you, when you're going to God, you have to come through Jesus. You're ultimately praying to God in the name of Jesus. And because you stamp it with the name of Jesus, that's guaranteed to get your prayer answered because God honors his word and Jesus is his word. So it is not idolatry. It's not idolatry. When you explain that to Muslims, well, first of all, when you explain it to Muslims, you have to explain to them um, 
why Jesus came to earth in the first place, how Jesus is the word of God made flesh, you know, how he wasn't Jesus at the beginning. He was the word. Then he came to the earth to die on the cross for our sins, went back to heaven. And now we pray to God through Jesus, but Jesus is the word. So when you explain him as being the word and that we're praying to God in the name of Jesus, just like Jesus did, it helps them to better understand it. So maybe that'll help you if you find yourself ministering to somebody who's a Muslim. And again, for Jehovah's Witness, they got to know, look, Jesus was not a God. He is God. And so hopefully, prayerfully with what I went over on tonight, it kind of helps you understand better the Godhead as it pertains to Jesus. Again, we're going to go next week or Whatever the Lord says, like I said, just watch my, um, if you go to my live stream on my website, the schedule is there for non-Sunday school and Friday night fire. So just go there and you'll see, you know, what the schedule is going to be, but we're going to continue this series on next week. We're going to continue this series on next week. Um, but before we close, I want to open up the room. If there's anyone who has questions, feedback, um, anything concerning the lesson on tonight, Feel free to uh, put it in the chat. Spirits need permission. I'm trying to read what was said, Miss D. We need another teaching on this. Whole other teaching. What part, Sister Jamie? Let me know, because I'll definitely um, teach on it. I want to make sure that everything, if it's something more that I need to go into detail, put it in the chat. Um, if anybody has any questions or anything, put that in the chat as well. And I'll answer that. And if not, we will go ahead and close out in prayer. The part about spirits. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Um, so for discernment, is that what you're saying? Like a lesson on discernment and how spirits operate or spirits operating illegally, trespassing like demons operating illegally without a body. Is that what you're saying? trespassing okay all right so i can definitely put that down as a lesson because yeah we definitely that that's actually some yeah that would be a good lesson because a lot of believers they get all caught up in their flesh and in their emotions like let's just say a spirit of depression comes in the room and they just start feeling depressed for no reason or they start feeling fearful for no reason they don't understand that that's a demon trespassing in their atmosphere and they got the power and the authority to bind it now, if that came because it was through another person, still they got to operate in their authority. So yeah, I'll definitely put that down as another lesson. So we'll, um, and about the power we have through Jesus to come against them. I, I got it. I got it. I got it, Sister Jamie. <laughs> yeah. So once we get done with the series um, on the Godhead, I'll jump into that next. That'll be a good lesson to teach on. Yes. Yep. That was, well, oppression, oppression, um, that's kind of different because a lot of times oppression, I did a lesson, Miss D, on squatting spirits. Um, it's actually on my website, but it talks about spirits that squatting your house, like even after you're saved, but it's those squatting spirits that will oppress you. So oppression is more so tied to deliverance. Yes, those spirits are trespassing, but they're trespassing inside of the temple, not necessarily outside of the temple. So those are spirits. They have to be bound and cast out. Um, 
So that's a different type of trespass. You got trespass. Our bodies are the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of Holy Spirit. So once we get saved and once we confess Christ, those spirits don't automatically pack up and leave. They have to be cast out. And if they don't get cast out, then they will stay there and they will spiritually oppress us. But when it comes to just trespassing, like Jamie was talking about, those are spirits operating outside of our bodies because they can't operate in us because we're fully submitted to God. There's nothing that will give them permission to operate in us. So they try to trespass illegally in our atmospheres without a body, just like changing the atmosphere. So it's two different things. But do this, um, Ms. D. Go to my website. Um, listen to the non-Sunday school lesson that I did on squatting spirits. See if that answers your question about oppression. If it didn't, uh, send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram. If it didn't, I can do another teaching on that and like delve deeper into that as well. Okay, great. All right, all right. So let's go ahead and close out in prayer. And then once we close out in prayer, we are going to go out with this song. Since we talked about Jesus on tonight, we're going to close out with... um the song Jesus by Shekinah Glory Ministry. So just listen to the end. And once the song ends, I'll go ahead and close out the room. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the lesson on tonight. Thank you for the words on tonight. Thank you for this series. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing resting on this series. I thank you for those who uh, gave their time on the reap on the live to hear these words. Thank you that they can take these words out and teach them to others, help them better understand how to minister to others who don't understand uh, Jesus's role in the Godhead. Um, thank you, Father, um, for every person um, that's in the room. Thank you for just blessing the rest of their week, their weekends. I pray that it's full of everything that is you, Father, and nothing that isn't in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for continuing to watch between them while we're absent one from another. And thank you for bringing us back on next week, Father, to continue this series so we learn more about you and who you are, who you are as God, who you are as a creator, who you are as Jesus, who you are as your word, and who you are as your Holy Spirit. So thank you again, Holy Spirit. Thank you for this night. Thank you for this room. We seal it all with the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I love you all. I will see you all on next, well, this Friday night, we're going to do Friday Night Fire, and then I'll see you next Wednesday night for um, the continuation of this series. Be blessed.
so glad you shed your blood just for me. So glad you rose for me, sweet Jesus. Yeah.
worship Love you.